0: About 7.15. So I completely, Holy, it's Holy Spirit's fault. If you don't like it, blame him. He completely shifted my direction this morning. So we're going to be talking about ambassadors for Christ. So I'm in the series right now called Out and About. That series is literally asking all of us to look around us and see what Yahweh God has set before us. You know, sometimes I think we need to be awakened and, and reminded as we look around us that there is so much going on so much going on gentlemen can we turn those lights up just a smidge I want to see some faces this morning if I make anybody mad I want to see that if I make them happy I want to see that but this thank you this particular series is really important to me and we've been in this series I don't know how many weeks now but and I don't know how many we will remain in it next week is Father's Day and I'm looking forward to uh, speaking some things that are in my heart regarding that but right now in this out and about series It's really important to me that we come into the place, all of us, that we come into the place where we know and we understand. Man, we have a responsibility. Everybody say that with me. Say, I have a responsibility to the kingdom of God. That wasn't very strong. Now say it with me again. Say, I have a responsibility. To the, kingdom of God. to the kingdom of God. Now that was strong. Yes. How true is that? How true is that? Because of that, what, what the Father did, and here's the amazing thing when He first breathed breath into our nostrils, at that moment, we literally became ambassadors for the kingdom. At that moment. See, because when all of us in this room are under the sound of my voice right now, when all of us were born, Adam and Eve had already eaten of the fruit, sin was already present. We didn't, none of us were born into a world where sin was not. We were all born into a world where sin was not only present, but rampant. That was what we were given. But in the middle of all that, the Father, it did not catch God off guard. He said, So, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to put in you, when I breathe into you, like for some of us, we eat pizza and then we breathe garlic. Something that we got out of that pizza, we breathe garlic. Garlic latches to me like a leech on somebody going through a river. It just hooks on me. So I try to avoid it, but I love it. But when the Father breathes into us, it's not garlic that He breathes, but there's an additive there, and that additive is that there's this ambassador spirit That he breathes into all of us, anyone coming into the earth today, every child that's born. When my granddaughter was born eight months ago, she's already an ambassador for the kingdom of God. Already. She doesn't know how to do much. She does. She really does. She knows how to make me laugh and smile and and make sounds that adults wouldn't normally make. You know, we're cooing and oohing and yay. You know, we do all of that stuff, weird stuff that you should never video. (laughs) But already she's an ambassador, and so are you. So say it with me. Say, I am am an ambassador ambassador for for the kingdom. Oh, my goodness. Boy, that sounds like quite a responsibility. That sounds like all of a sudden when we realize that we have some position. For instance, if, let's say hypothetically you're a teenager and you have brothers and sisters that are younger than you, mom and dad are home, and as long as mom and dad are home, you don't worry about being responsible for your little brother, little sister, little whoever's that might be running around the house. You don't worry about it. Mom and dad have it under control. But now when mom and dad want to go on a date because they want to go on a date. And they look to you and you're the teenager and they say, now you are going to be our ambassador. (laughs) You're going to report to us. You're going to work on behalf of us. You are going to function on behalf of our hopes, while we're gone, and immediately what goes, through, what goes through the mind of that teenager is, "These are the things I could do. I believe, I've been a teenager. I know I know. Teenagers don't act like it's not true, And all the moms and dads in here don't act like it's not true. But in our mind, there's this thought, all the things that we could do and all the things that we shouldn't do, but there's also this sense of, "I want to be responsible for this moment." <laughs> what was that comment? We hope, yeah. (laughs) But there's that sense in all of us because we have been given the anointing to rule and reign, whether or not we exercise that. We were all born with the ability to rule and reign over those things that the Father has given us authority over. Whether it's our children, whether it's the land, whether it's our job, whether it's employees and employee, whatever it might be, ourselves specifically. So when a parent goes away and they put that responsibility on that child, suddenly that child that before was no longer concerned about that little brother and sister because mom and dad had it, all of a sudden they realize, Johnny, don't you go on that street. They find themselves sounding like mom and dad, being concerned about the things mom and dad would be concerned about. Suddenly they become aware of things they thought they never even learned, but suddenly they realize, oh, the poisonous things are under the sink. I never considered that the second time, but I'm considering it now because I have little children that suddenly I'm responsible for. The same is true for you and me. See, the Father hasn't left the earth. He's just left it to you and me. I need you to understand that this morning. God never left the earth. He just left it to you and me. Because we are ambassadors... Of the kingdom, And when he left, our responsibility suddenly became one who needs not to find a way to disrupt or destroy. We need to suddenly be aware of the poisonous chemicals that are under the sink. The traffic that's out in the road. The things that would hinder others that are in the kingdom or coming into the kingdom. We need to become aware of those things that would either... Dissuade, destroy, or divert so that we can protect, we can be a mouthpiece, we can be a voice for the purpose of God and others. So today I want to establish two things. One is that people are waiting for you. There are people outside the walls of this building waiting on nobody else but you. Wrap your mind around that for a second. They are waiting for you. Well, who is that? Who's waiting on me? I don't know. And even you might not know. But they know. There are people waiting on you. The second thing is that, again, you are an ambassador. So let's talk about the first thing. Waiting, no doubt, is not what most of us like to do. We don't enjoy waiting. Uh, It's not something that's incredible for any of us We we by nature are somewhat impatient Uh, even at my age I'm 57 years old even at my age I still find it hard to sleep the night before Christmas I'm 57 I should be over that you can ask my wife I'm the one I'll be up at three o'clock in the morning how come nobody is awake? at my brother and sister-in-law's house when they were when their kids were younger we would go over there and Christmas Eve and we would, we would uh, have communion together and, and what have you. And it was, it was a wonderful time, but I always threatened him. And I would say, I'm going to leave my cell phone somewhere close to your head and then call it with my wife's phone at 3 in the morning to wake you all up. Because they would sleep till like 10 o'clock. How does anybody sleep till 10 o'clock on Christmas? Seven. Man, that's halfway through the day. But I do. I still find it hard to sleep the night before something, whatever it is. Not just Christmas, but anything that's exciting that's going to happen, and I'm looking forward to it. If we're going on a trip, or we're going to do something like my wife and I getting ready to go on our little trip for our 30th anniversary, man, it's hard for me to sleep the night before. And it's not because I'm restless. It's because I'm excited. Right. There's something in me, man. About, especially this one. We haven't booked a single hotel. We don't know where we're staying. We're not even sure we have a car. It could be a long walk around California. We'll get back next year at this time. And we got there, and it was amazing, but I didn't, it was hard for me to rest, and this is true, anything that's exciting, because we just, waiting is not what many of us like to do, but the truth is, the wait for so many things, is so, so worth it. Wow. And when the wait is worth it, man, when the person who's delivering the answer to the wait oh, yeah. arrives, it's like, finally! Wow. Finally! I have been anticipating this and waiting for this. Wait, I didn't even know you. know, but I've been waiting on you. I didn't even know what I was waiting for. I just knew that when it got to me, I would know it was for me. If you ask anyone what they look forward to, you will likely get a response involving hope of some kind, hoping for a spouse, hoping for a better job, hoping for better health, hoping for long life. Usually if you ask people, likely... Many times, most of the time, they're going to have these, well, this is what I would like, this is what I'm looking forward to, this is what, and all of that reflects this wait. This wait, I'm waiting for my spouse, I'm waiting for a better job, I'm waiting for a better offer, I'm waiting for this to heal, I'm waiting for the answer to this. There's this wait. But the common denominator is that everybody, everybody in this room, everybody around the world, everybody say this with me, say that word, everybody. That's all-encompassing. Everybody around the world is waiting on something. And I can tell you this, even though it might be hard to believe, but anybody that does not know Christ, whether they know it or not, they're waiting on somebody to tell them about Christ. There's something in them. Why are they waiting? They're waiting even if they don't know they're waiting because when God breathed His breath into them, in that breath it consisted also of the urge to be a part of the family they were born to be a part of. I want to read to you this story in the book of Acts about a jail guard that is really, you've heard this, many of you have heard it, for some this might be the first time, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it, but I'll read Acts chapter 16 beginning with verse 25. Go there with me if you would please this morning. It says this, let me back up for, and just give you this opener. Paul and Silas are in jail. I'll tell you that, for preaching the gospel. Paul and Silas are put in jail. And it starts like this in verse 25. It says, About midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he immediately drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. He knew that had they escaped, his commanding officers, those in charge of him, were going to kill him for letting them go. So when he woke up and he saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword. He was about to kill himself, supposing that they had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, and he said to the jailer, Do not harm yourself. We're here. And the jailer called for the lights, and he rushed in. Trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said this, Sir, if you will believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And then he brought them up into his house, and he set food before them. And the jailer rejoiced, along with his entire household, that he had believed in God. What happened in this story? Paul and Silas took advantage of where they were and a jailer received Christ. See, what this jailer didn't know was that he was waiting on a moment to come. He had no idea. When he went to work that night and he put on his garb and he put the sword on his side and he stood there at the door or in the hallway of the entrance to this jail, however it might have looked, he didn't go in there thinking, man, I hope that tonight I get the answer to all my needs. He didn't arrive at work thinking about what it might look like if he had received this Christ that these prisoners were in jail for. He wasn't considering any of this. All he knew was he was going to work. And he went to work and he sat in the hall. But inside of him, there was a waiting. Inside of them, there was something present that was just waiting for the right thing to happen that would cause that seed to begin to burst out of its shell so that something could come forth and he could attach himself to a promise. He had no idea. But God did. See, even Paul and Silas did not know that there was a waiting in the jailer. He's a jail guard. They did not know that in this jailer, on this particular night, he is going to miraculously come to know Christ. In their world, they're in prison for preaching the gospel. In their world, they're in shackles and chains. In their world, they're attached to a wall, can't get more than six feet away from it. In their world. What can they possibly do in the middle of a jail cell? But among them, what they did not know was somebody that didn't know they were waiting, was waiting. Within feet of where they were in that jail cell, the Father had set up a moment. He had set up a moment and He, he knew these men, Paul and Silas, I'm going to get them into that jail. It's going to look like it's not me but it's going to very much be me. And I'm going to get them into that jail because there's somebody waiting that's hungry, doesn't know what they're hungry for, but I happen to be the filet mignon that they're going to be chewing on in about three hours. (laughs) So I'm going to put Paul and Silas in there, and because I know who Paul and Silas are, within them is that spirit of David. And they're going to begin to lift their voice. And they're going to begin to worship. And they're going to begin to sing. And heaven is going to be broken loose. And the gates are going to open. The shackles are going to fall off. And the chains are going to be removed. And something's going to happen in that jailer that had weight in him but didn't know it. And then something's going to happen in Paul and Silas. That had the gospel in them but didn't know they had it in them for that moment. Because I made a moment for them. And they took advantage of where they were and this jailer received Christ. The jailer was waiting on this moment. Did not know it until it arrived. And then he asked this question. Now that the moment is here. I never saw myself asking this question, but sirs, please tell me, what must I do to be saved? Now the truth is this, probably, I doubt he was the only jailer in that jail, unlikely. I doubt he was the only one, there might have been another, let's say there, were one, there was only one other, witnessed the exact same thing, saw it all. And there's nothing referencing any other jailer that was there that paid no attention to who Paul and Silas were. That wasn't their moment. And what's awesome about Paul and Silas was they didn't get caught up in who might receive and who might not receive. What they got caught up in is this. God gave us this moment. And we are going to be responsible for it. We are going to be an ambassador for him in this moment. And then the cool thing that happens to this jailer is, this jailer goes from being a man who is suicidal to a man that this passage says begins to rejoice in what God did in him and his family. He went from being a man that didn't know he was waiting to becoming a man. Who in his presence, in his willingness to say, what must I do to be saved? Everything about him changed. What am I saying about this this morning? I'm reminding you of what I started this part with. And that is people are waiting on you. I hope you don't find yourself in jail. Please don't find yourself in jail. I prefer you not. But I'm telling you this morning, people are waiting on you. And this whole series, Out and About, is all about us recognizing the moments that Yahweh gives us. It's recognizing that no matter where we find ourselves, no matter where we're at, even if it looks like there is no hope for mankind in this place, that's kind of how I felt in California. Yet I know that in California, there are people waiting. We went into one particular coffee shop. My wife and I have never seen anything like this in my life. I can't even begin... what the extreme response you're going to see out of me pales in comparison to what we actually received. This was a coffee shop in the middle of nowhere. It was literally a hole in the wall, which was actually its name, hole in the wall. And it was. And there we walk in there, and my wife and I are driving down one and sh- Highway 1, and she said, I- I'd really like a coffee. I said, yeah, me too, but we're in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And we're driving, and we see this shack. And when I say shack, it was cute. Did you take pictures? Okay, because we need them to be the judge. It was there. And we pulled into the, if it were Florida, I would not have pulled into the shack, I can tell you. But it said open. We wanted coffee. We drive into this little place and we're, there's no other cars. There are no other cars that are there. but it was cute (laughs) what my wife said we walk in the door and there's this girl probably early to mid-twenties behind the the counter this little coffee shop we have no idea who the owner is and we walk in the door and she says, hey how are you I'm like I want to run, and I'm afraid to. And it never stopped there. What would you like? My wife said, I'd like a mocha, whatever, caramel, whatever it is she got. And she said, that's a good choice. Thinking, my God, don't drink it. Don't just don't drink it. We'll pay for it. Just don't drink it. The whole conversation was all extreme. And we got in the car and my wife said, I'm pretty sure she's on drugs. And I said, you think? (laughs) We drank what we bought. I'm not really sure. Listen, she tried to put it. I just got to finish the story. So she said, you need an umbrella. And I'm thinking... I need to leave. I need to leave really. She takes my coffee. I'm holding it in my hand. And there's a stir in there with a big, it's like a straw. The stir is like the size of a straw. She takes this umbrella and she's trying to put it in the end of the straw and she cannot hit the hole. And I felt immediately like I needed to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I just sat there and then I'm trying to help her. You know, she's moving around and I'm moving around trying to, we can do this. (laughs) It finally got in there. By the time we left that coffee shop, I took the umbrella out and gave it to my wife. But that was, but it was an experience. But even in a situation like that, we never, we're always keenly aware of an opportunity to talk about the kingdom. Um, and it was her first day open, because California's just now opening a lot of their stores, it's just now. So that was her, and it was actually a soft opening. She said, it's really, how'd y'all know we were open? And I'm thinking, that open sign on the front door? She'd forgotten, she put it there. But the, um, she said, it's, it's really for my family and friends. We're thinking, okay. But there was Opportunity. Come on, stay with me. But I want to say this. We need to take advantage of where we find ourselves. And had Holy Spirit at all prompted us to begin to talk to her about the kingdom, I want to believe I wouldn't have missed a moment. Even in the moments when you least expect it, in, the, in a situation that seems like there's nothing there, people are waiting on you. And people are waiting on me because what is common among all people is people love truth even if they get offended by it people really like to know the truth tell me do you really like this dress a wife will ask her husband and a husband says it's gorgeous no matter what he thinks that's not the truth And then the wife will say I can tell by the look on your face that you don't like this dress and then the husband says I know, but I, I, I didn't want to hurt your feeling. But she appreciates the truth. She will appreciate My wife ordered a... <laughs> By the way, there is a marriage conference that we're doing on a... August 19th and 20th. <laughs> but the people love the truth. They really do appreciate the truth. Whether or not they love it in the moment, they appreciate the truth. We need to take advantage of where we find ourselves because, and everybody say this with me, people are waiting on me. Put your hand on yourself and say, there's somebody waiting on me. Whether you think you have it or not, you might think you have a thimble full. But God might see you as having a cup full. And whatever you need, he's going to give you. When the opportunity is there. Just don't miss the opportunity. Your don't, miss, don't miss your moment. He asked Paul and Silas. He said, Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas shared with him the pro- promise that was given to all of us. If you will believe in the Lord Jesus. It's as simple as this. You will be saved. Every question that that jailer had that day. And no doubt he had some. Was not answered. I doubt it was, it's even possible for Paul and Silas. In fact, I know it's not because they journeyed from there to another place just a couple days later. It was not possible for Paul and Silas to tell them everything that they wanted to know about Christ that day. Everything that he might have wanted to know about the kingdom. And they're inquisitive. They were very uh, interested, curious. So no doubt he had questions because there's, we don't get all of our questions answered because we come to Christ. We come to Christ and he begins to reveal to us the fullness of who he is. And it takes time. And what we never want to do when, we're, when we recognize the moment that somebody is waiting on us and, and the Father puts us in that moment and we become the answer to that wait so that we can introduce them to Christ... What we never need to do is feel the responsibility to answer every question they have. Let's lead them in and let Holy Spirit take care of the rest. All around us, there are people waiting for someone to share with them what has been promised to them. And the promise of salvation is to every man and every single woman. When I go fishing, and I love to fish. I don't do it as often as I'd like to. But when I go fishing, I never catch every fish that's in the ocean. I just don't, believe it or not. I don't. Sometimes I don't catch any fish in the ocean, but I like to. But the ones I do catch make the trip so incredibly worth it every single time. But if I never went fishing, I'd never catch anything. I always go fishing with the intent, I'm going to catch something. And I make sure my line is ready. I make sure that, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, if I'm going to set this, parallel this with the kingdom, I'm just telling you today, if I, if I wanted to use this as a... As a analogy I'm telling you I make sure my line is ready I make sure my heart is ready I make sure I'm fully aware when I get up every day Father I'm yours and you are mine I'm in you and you are in me and today I'm positioning myself to see what you see to hear what you hear and to be present in the moments that you give to me to be a voice when a voice needs to be heard and to be silent when nothing needs to be said people are waiting for you to share the life of Christ even if they don't know it yet So my encouragement to you this morning is share, share. And then secondly, we are ambassadors. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, it reads like this. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As I said, Kim and I, <clears throat> these last, this past week we were in California and we went to the Redwood Forest. It's phenomenal, first of all, trees that size are Uh, It's just hard to wrap your mind around, but most of them are somewhere between 3,000 and 4,000 years old. In fact, we learned something on that trip that I thought was very interesting, that prior to the Ice Age, redwoods were found all over the world. Everywhere, in every place all around the world, you could find redwoods grew and grew large. And then after the Ice Age, they only remained in California. That's the only place in the world that redwoods exist today. And as we drove through this Forest of trees. We drove through two trees. Now, I will give you this. One of those trees that we drove through, we probably shouldn't have. There was like one inch on each side of the mirror. And like I was praying, if we get stuck, this is a problem. We're in a tree. How do you tell people, get us out of a tree? But we're driving through, and we're going through, and we're witnessing the size and the grandeur of these massive, massive, massive redwoods. And it's just absolutely Beautiful. And then we come up on to the granddaddy redwood, which is, there's one that's larger than that, that they keep private. They don't let the public know where it's at because they don't want people hurting it. But this one was, I think, the second largest. And it was in this one particular section that we went to. We wanted to see before we left, and it was right before we came home. And we drive up to this tree, and they have this plaque out there, and it explains the whole tree. And it says that redwoods are considered the ambassadors from another time. And that's what it said on the plaque. It said, Redwoods are ambassadors from another time. And as we looked at these trees and we began to walk around this path and we move from here to there, they had redwoods that had fallen over. In fact, we were walking on a trail and Kim and I, are, she was right in front of me and it was raining and we were still walking on this trail. We had loaned our rain gear to, to Matt and Kaylee and Kim and I are getting wet. And, and we hear this massive crack. Just like something was cracking. And, you know, when you're around a tree that's 300 feet tall, 75 feet in diameter, and you're looking around, you want to know where that crack's coming from. (laughs) And we're looking, and we see probably 20 yards away from us the massive tip of one of these trees, just, just old tree, just cracked, and it just comes down, and I mean nothing stopped it. It just just tore down everything on its way to the ground and then just right into the ground. But as we walked this, they had these trees that they had cut so that you could see the rings in the tree. And what was fascinating about these trees that are almost 4,000 years old is they had markers in some of these trees that they would put little flags on them, the, the park or Forest Service or whoever did it. But they put markers on the different rings. And there would be a marker in a ring. The tree at that that marker point might be this big or this big. But that marker would be there on a tree this size already and it says, birth of Christ. And you're like, what? That tree was already a thousand years old when he was born? And then it would have something else. It would say the Roman Empire and it would say the Crusades and arrival of Columbus to America and the Declaration of Independence. But it would have all these points of reference along the rings of that tree and they did that every I mean everywhere you went you could see how they marked different trees and what it meant and then it would have little stories that would say this is the ice age or this is what happened or not the ice age but this is what happened in this forest fire whatever year it was and it would tell you little stories like that and and again they refer to those redwoods as ambassadors from another time because they bring into the present What existed in the past. They make current what so many refer to only as history. When considering every one of those rings as Kim and I stood there, we were reminded of how important each of those moments are still today. The birth of Christ, the very thing that I'm doing this morning, teaching a message. Of salvation. What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to to be a witness and to be a testimony? What does that mean? That very message of Christ is as important today as it was then. Some might say it's more important, but those in that time would say it's not possible. The significance of the message never changes because the message is always the same. It is Christ and Him crucified that brings us into reconciliation with the Father. So as an ambassador for Christ, Paul and God, they make his, uh, Paul said God makes His appeal to mankind through those who know Christ. It is you and it is me who represent the rings of the tree today. It is us who have stories to tell. At this marker, I want to tell you how God changed my life. At this marker, this is what He did in my life. And at this ring, this is what He did in my life. There are stories to tell that too often don't get told because we're afraid of how someone might respond to the story we're telling. But as ambassadors, we have a responsibility to tell the story. As ambassadors, we have a responsibility not to chalk up the goodness and the blessings in our lives as circumstance or as coincidence, but to say to people, this happened because God did this in my life. Well, I don't believe in God. That's up to you, but I do. And without him, this could never have happened. The responsibility of a political ambassador in the world today is to be a principled voice of his own nation to another nation. His purpose is to be a bridge and not a sword. In fact, our ambassador to Russia right now with everything that's going on, his purpose is to try to bridge the gap with all the anger and the frustration and the confusion and the things that aren't known. He's, he's, he's to be a principled voice. He's to be a voice of reason, representing the United States in that situation. And in the same way, their ambassador here is to try to do the same thing, to be a principled voice to our government, to say, you know what, it's not worth pushing a button. Let's see, even if it's not public, let's see if we can find a way around this thing. I can tell you today, There are a lot of buttons that are being pushed in people's lives. People's lives are being torn apart today because they have not been witness to the goodness and the mercy of God and you possess the answer that they need. It is in you. There are people waiting on you, the ambassador of Christ, to come and to share your story. Our responsibility is not to destroy but to build a bridge. Amen. Our, our responsibility as ambassadors for Christ, it is not to come to people and to tell them all the things that they're doing wrong. Oh, there was a the time. I tried it, man. When we first started The Rock, those of you that were here way back when, man, we were just there. I'm so glad we got past that. To the point we're making the message about Christ is far more important than asking people to stop doing this or stop doing that because if they come to know Christ those things will come away from them. But for so long the church has tried to clean people up and then introduce them to Christ. We try to get them to abide by our laws and then maybe they'll know Christ. But as I had preached in a series some a year or so ago When Christ went to all the disciples and he said, Follow me, not one of them did he ever go to and say, When you get cleaned up, I'll ask you to follow me. When you don't smell like fish anymore, then you can come with me. He didn't do that to one. When you stop collecting taxes, then you can follow me. He, no, he just went to them and he said, In the condition you're in, where you are right now, follow me. We're to be a bridge to those listening. To those waiting. And all around us, all around us, there are people waiting. They want to come into agreement with the Word of God. Do you know what agreement is in the, word, in the Greek? Agreement means homolog, homo, homo, I can never say it right, homogaleos. That's the Greek word for agreement, homogaleos. And do you know what that is? That means to become one with a message you've heard. Agreement isn't about I agree. Agreement is suddenly I am one. You cannot now separate me from that agreement. And that is what the Father is looking for in a relationship between you and me and those who, have not, those who are still waiting. See, it'd be real easy for us to say, well, they're waiting on God, so God's going to have to do something miraculous in them. He has. God has done something miraculous. Yahweh has done something, provided something miraculous for every single person who does not believe in Him, and that is He sent you. He has assigned you and me. That's a miracle. It is a miracle in epic proportions to believe for a second that he would trust Steve Parker with a message that would lead somebody to him. Epic proportions. You trust me with that message? That isn't gold. That is platinum. And he said, yes, I do. And that's the miracle. That there are people waiting on the message, and you have the message. You are my ambassador. Would you be willing to be a bridge and to share your story? Not cram it, not push it, not shove it, but share it. There's going to be an opportunity just like Paul and Silas. They didn't come in there and say, jailer. We're in this jail. But you're a heathen. Sinful. Everything about you is wrong. You don't do anything right. You're a pitiful piece of humanity. And you need God. What did Paul and Silas do? Paul and Silas went in there and did what Paul and Silas do. Begin to sing. And they began to worship, and they found out in the sharing of their moment that someone was waiting for those ambassadors to bring the principled message of the kingdom of God to ears that were waiting. That's you. One more time. Put your hands on yourself and say this. Someone is waiting on, me. waiting on me. Can you believe that today? Stand with me if you would please.